0: Welcome to another edition of Mr. Stillman's Opus, the podcast that helps you learn more about financial happenings and your financial life, perhaps. We love to take different subjects and ideas and apply them to everyday situations. Walter Storholt here with you this week alongside John Stillman. Hey, John.
1: Your beard is coming back. It's starting to slowly
0: creep back in. Yeah. Yeah. Go through many phases in this facial hair thing.
1: Yeah. Well, we just we need to get you a beard trimmer that works so you don't have to go from like full-blown terrorist look <laughs> to baby face and yeah. then grow the back. If you could just keep it trimmed at a nice reasonable level. My
0: wife Connie says I look like I'm 12 when I don't have the beard. How old would you say I look like when I do have the full-blown beard 97 97 that's our <laughs> that's our range no gray uh for a 97 year old beard yeah. i mean that's impressive I well,
1: clearly a, a 97 so. year old who dyes his beard using the just for men yeah
0: gel. yeah not the um what is the one where you'd leave just a little bit of gray a touch of gray or whatever they call it right. anyway uh enough about beards yes it's i've got the couple days stubble going on now which i think is a good length yeah uh, but if you're still listening to the podcast after all this beard <laughs> talk, uh, here's what we've got coming up for you today. We're going to be talking about the voices in your head and not just John and I as the voices in your head today. I think everyone kind of, uh, whenever you would mention like voices in people's head, it's easy to picture the old cartoons where you have the the good and evil, or I, I guess it's, um... Uh, the devil and the, and, the, and the angel on your shoulder, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the good and the bad talking to you, trying to convince you of, uh, right. of what to do.
1: Anytime you're faced with a
0: moral dilemma. Right, exactly. So in the investing world, it's not just John and I on your shoulder. That'd be a very comical two voices to have in your head. Wouldn't necessarily be a good and evil kind of thing. Yeah. In the investing world, most popularly, it's the voice of wisdom versus the voice of greed, we find.
1: Or in some cases, the voice of fear. Could be the bad voice.
0: Fear and greed maybe kind of go hand in hand, right? Yep. Uh, So we kind of would imagine or at least hope that you can recognize when the voice of wisdom is telling you something. Hopefully that's pretty obvious. Sometimes it can be a little harder to discern the voice of greed because sometimes the things the voice of greed says actually sound like good ideas on the face. And so what we're going to do is give you some statements you might hear the voice of greed say so that you can be— uh, aware of it. And then, John, you give us maybe some ideas of how we can talk back to that voice or handle that information. we get. All right. all right. So one statement we could hear the voice of greed say is, the market is doing great right now. This is a good time to invest a little more aggressively so you can take advantage of the growth.
1: Well, I believe it was Warren Buffett. Well, I don't believe. I know it was Warren Buffett who said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Ooh. That is like to say... That. Uh, contrarian investing has its benefits. So when everybody else thinks it's a great time to really you know, pour gas on the fire from an investment standpoint, that's when you dial back and vice versa. When everybody else is scared, you go out and you buy. This is why bookies drive beamers, mm-hmm. right? Because if the average person could pick a football game, well, then you know the bookies wouldn't be making as much money as they are. So there's something to be said for contrarian betting in the gambling world. If uh, the NFL lines come out before Mm -hmm. the game and you see that the Patriots are seven-point favorites over the Dolphins, then the next day the Patriots are only six-point favorites Mm -hmm. over the Dolphins, what does that mean? That means that too many people were betting on the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. thinking that the Dolphins would lose by less than seven. So when too many people put money on the Dolphins, the bookies say, "Uh uh-oh, we have imbalanced betting here. If the Dolphins cover the spread, we're in trouble. So they have to change the line to try to entice more people to put money on the Patriots, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how the spread gets set by Vegas in football or any sort of sports gambling. So if the line comes out and you see that the Patriots are seven-point favorites— Then you see that they're only five-point favorites Mm -hmm. a couple days later. Well, that means a lot of people are putting money on the Dolphins, which means you should put money on the Patriots because the idea is the average person can't make the right call. Mm. So, same thing with your investing. When people are thinking it's a great time to put money in the market, often the opposite is true. And when everybody is saying, sell, 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 things are bad, That's often your opportunity to swoop in and buy stuff on sale.
0: The difference between the two is that no matter what age you are, you are bet on the Patriots or the Dolphins, would be an equal decision, whether you're 20 or 55. Mm-hmm. However, in the investing world, whether to continue to put money in, whether to buy or sell, is going to be largely uh, dependent on whether it's a good idea or not based on if you are 20 or 55. There's a difference. Right. And it
1: could be that maybe you shouldn't be betting on football at all. You should be betting on <laughs> baseball. You know? <laughs> I mean, there you it go. could be that you're not even in the right arena.
0: Yeah. Or field. Yeah, in this example. I don't guess bet they on ha- baseball they, they have because too. then
1: like Pete Rose, they won't let you in the Hall of Fame. So don't bet on baseball. Don't take that advice. Yeah,
0: don't take the advice of sports betting at all. On this <laughs> show, <right>? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to get any like uh, compliance issues here. Uh, all right, so that's good. That's the voice of greed maybe saying one little thing to you there. Uh, here's another statement, John. That guy on CNBC seems to know what he's talking about. You should follow his advice quickly before everybody else figures it out too. <laughs>
1: Well, if it's already made it to CNBC, uh, it's a little too late for you to be ahead of the curve. But I'm blown away by the number of people who think that because Jim Cramer said something, if they'll go out and you know follow mm-hmm. his advice, they're going to get in ahead of the crowd, that they have some kind of insider information that they can take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, the fact of the matter is, before Jim Cramer even knew it, it was already too late. Yeah,
0: so and many people so, already had that information.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the idea is that any information like that is all already priced in to whatever stock you're
0: talking about. a good about. way to look at it, yeah. So, there
1: are different theories on uh, just how far ahead of the curve uh, the market actually is in terms of the pricing of stock. Like, there is the idea that anything you could possibly hear, good news or bad news, is already priced into the stock. If you hear something that's good news, the stock price has already gone up. You're already too late. There's even a theory, uh, it's called efficient markets, uh, whether you have a strong or a weak view of uh, efficient markets. Mm -hmm. But there's actually a theory that says even insider trading doesn't matter because even that stuff is already priced in to the stock price. So it's foolish to think that because you heard something on TV that you're going to get some kind of good deal because you're ahead of the curve. The other thing to understand is that a lot of that stuff isn't... It's not investment advice, okay? It's entertainment. Right. And when you think that you're getting investment advice from the people on TV, that's when you get in trouble. Because it it truly is meant to entertain and engage you, not to tell you what to invest in.
0: Or maybe a chance to learn some broader topics. Maybe there's a little bit of education that's going on, but it's not, don't take it as specific guidance for individual stocks. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Uh, Now, what if you hear about something at three in the morning before everybody else wakes up? Then you can act right. Go for (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, By the way, what does the voice, to your point, go
1: ahead, people in uh, London were already awake. Ah, See, there you you go.
0: They've already got the info. Forget about the rest of the world sometimes. (laughs) Uh, By the way, what does the voice of greed sound like in your mind? um
1: he has an eastern european accent oh interesting i guess probably
0: romanian romanian okay yeah i won't try and read my questions like that probably for the best but uh but i was just curious um the couple next door you might hear the voice of greed say this the couple next door has a lot of money in fact a lot more saved than you you need to hit some home runs over the next couple of years so you can catch up Well, that's
1: probably true if you're in a competition with your neighbors to see who has the most saved at the point of retirement, but I don't know of anybody where that's actually the case. Everybody really, at the end of the day, only cares about their lifestyle and knowing that they're taken care of, and I see so many people that are just scared to death about the fact that they only have 650,000 or 350,000, whatever the number is. They only have that many dollars saved and, you know, our brother in law has a million or our next door neighbor has two million and what am I gonna do? Woe is me. Well, the thing they didn't take into account is that, you know, their house is paid off and their neighbor still has a mortgage of twenty two hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And uh maybe you're a state employee and you have a big pension after working for the state for thirty five years and your neighbor doesn't have anything remotely close, maybe no pension at all. Mm-hmm. It could be that You've paid a lot into Social Security over the years, and your neighbor was an S-corp and paid very little, had very little W-2 wages over the years and Mm -hmm. didn't pay much into Social Security, and they're not going to have that income stream. So, as an example, I have a client with $250,000, that's their total savings, and they're going to be fine because they live very simply, he'll have a pension, he was a state employee, they're going to need very little of that $250,000. Supplement their pension and social securities to cover their lifestyle. On the other hand, I have somebody who has $2 million and they want to spend $12,000 a month and they don't have any other income streams, really. They have a little bit of social security and that's it. Well, you know, that's an ambitious amount for them to be wanting to spend in retirement, even with $2 million. Mm-hmm. So it totally depends on what you want to spend, it has nothing to do with achieving a certain. Dollar amount in your portfolio.
0: Very cool way to look at it. We're talking about the voice of greed. Maybe sometimes it's also the voice of fear that you might hear on your shoulder uh, whispering into your ear sweet nothings and how you can kind of recognize that voice of greed and deal with it. A couple of good examples so far. Another statement the voice of greed might make, and this is an interesting one, John, uh, is about uh, an emergency fund. You might hear that voice of greed really kind of pipe into your ear saying, you know what, that emergency fund you have in the bank, it's not making any money. You should really invest it instead of having all that money in the bank, collecting dust.
1: Yeah. Well, I see a lot of people that are basically furious about the interest rate Mm -hmm. situation they're getting at the bank. They're actually mad at the bank that they're getting no interest at all, really. Maybe a percent. Maybe a percent and a half if it's like state employees' credit union money market account or something. Uh, But, you know, really, for all intents and purposes, you're making nothing on that money. And people are, in some cases, taking money out of the bank to go invest it so they're getting some kind of return because they can't stand to see that money sitting there where they're not getting anything on it. And, you know, again, here's where we have to dial back to our mission statement. What is the point of that money? If it's an emergency fund, if we've labeled it our emergency fund, what we need that money to do is to be safe and to be liquid. That's all we need from it. We want it to be there when we need it. We don't need it getting cut in half overnight. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to get our hands on it with no trouble. If that's the point of those dollars, it's fine for it not to be making any money. Making money was not its job. Mm -hmm. Its job was just to be there for us. And so that's where a lot of people uh, make some mistakes on the cash front. They don't have enough in cash because they're trying to invest every single penny and then, you know, every time an emergency comes up, they're having to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul to come up with the cash to do whatever they want to do. Like, for instance, here's an example. I was talking to somebody about eh, six months ago, and they were doing this thing where, you know, he was getting some kind of pretty good deal on company stock at work. And they were buying it with after-tax dollars. And so a lot of after-tax dollars were buying company stock in his company. They had almost nothing in the bank. And the whole idea was every time they needed $5,000 for this or $2,500 for that, they were selling some company stock in order to generate the cash that they needed. But what they ended up doing was creating capital gains every time they sold stock in order to create the cash that they needed. And so the capital gains taxes were eating up any profits (laughs) that they Mm. were realizing from this whole scheme. And so when we looked at it over the course of the last 2 years all the money that they generated from selling that company stock you know they'd basically profited like $200 compared to if they just not invested in the company stock in the first place and just put the money in the bank and had it there when they needed it so they were creating all these headaches for themselves just because they wanted to make that little bit of extra money this is a guy who earned almost $200,000 a year they had a couple of rental properties The $200 they made over the course of two years to jump through all these hoops was completely not worth Mm -hmm. it. And so that's where you just have to step back and say, what's the point of this money? If it's to be there for us, if the job is emergency fund, let's make it behave that way.
0: Very good point. That is the voice of greed. Well, actually, that was the voice of John. Uh, But the voice of greed you heard before that. John's showing you how to combat that voice of greed, how to understand it, how to... I I don't want to say you harness the voice of greed, but it's just making sure that it it. doesn't rule your, yeah, doesn't rule you. Yep. Yeah. So make sure you tame it. Very good point. That's the voice of greed. Some tips on how to handle it. John, thanks as always for the time. Always good to see you, bud. I was uh, really hoping we'd get the Eastern European accent at some point. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. This has been another edition of Mr. Stillman's Opus. Thanks for joining us.